Um, this series that we're in is, is, is really, really, really good. I'm, I'm uh, grateful to be speaking about it. And we're talking about the best Christmas gifts. And not Christmas gifts that come from your rich uncle uh, or Christmas gifts that come from somebody that, you know, will get you anything you want. Uh, but we're talking about the gifts that come from God. And it's interesting because there, there's nothing wrong. In fact, I would even go as far as to say there are some really great gifts that you can get from the store. Um, some of you have some of those, and some of you are going to get some of those, and you're going to be very grateful. But the best gifts are gifts that don't come from the store, but gifts that come from heaven. They're, they're the gifts from God. And because of Jesus, um, and that's the gift that you heard about last week, uh, you have access to all of them. Because of Jesus and what he's done for you, you have access to all of these gifts. And today I want to talk about and emphasize the gift of peace. Peace. How many of you would say, I could use a little bit more peace? You got some hands going up all over the place. Uh, I, I don't think that there is a lack of people that are needing peace. And peace is one of those mysterious gifts. And I've got kind of a tough assignment because I don't think the, the need is the problem. I think what the, the issue is and the difficulty is, is actually people getting the peace. Are, are you following me? I think we're a, a group of people. I think humanity is in a place where we're, we're not wondering whether or not we need peace. I think the, the real question is how do we get peace? And when I think about some of the life issues that you're facing, specifically, you know, some of the families right here at the Bridge Goldsboro, I can understand why it may be difficult to find peace on the inside. And some of you have even asked, you know, is peace even possible for me? Um, given the things that I'm going through, given some of the history that has taken place, can I even have peace? Um, and then when you kind of broaden the perspective and you look at the, the country right now and how polarized we are, and you look at the world and, and what's happening um, is peace even a possibility? We find ourselves asking questions like this. And I, I think if we really look at peace the way God intended it, we have to, we have to really think, is, what is peace? What is peace the way God intended it? And I think we look at peace as the absence of conflict. If conflict is gone, if the turmoil is, is not present, then I can have peace. If my current situation would change, then, then I would have peace. When in actuality, the, the peace that God gives is peace in the middle of conflict. And that's, that's the difference. That's the rub. That's where as humans, we, we can't really grasp that. The world looks at peace as the absence of conflict. God's peace is peace in the middle of it. And I want you to think about the Christmas story because I, I think about this and I think it's interesting that the angels announced to the shepherds that the Prince of Peace had arrived. Here is Jesus. They come to the shepherds. Here comes the Prince of Peace. But this was a time where Rome ruled over Israel with an iron fist. And the Jews hated being under the oppression of, of Rome. And some even practiced terrorism. Um, not to mention there was a constant strain and tension between King Herod and the religious leaders and the Roman governor, Pilate, who was there to kind of make sure that Rome kind of governed Israel well um, for the Roman Empire. They were spreading everywhere at that time. And so there's this constant tension between, between them and, their, and those kind of powers. Um, it's one of the reasons why King Herod, when he found out that there was a king, which was Jesus, uh, born, he had all the, the kids under two years old, all the boys, be killed. And you can just feel this tension. Why did they do that? Well, it was, there was jealousy, there was fear, there was this tension going on. And it was in the middle of all that that the angels came and said, peace. Here comes the prince of peace. It's Jesus. And, and, and then on top of that, think about who the angels came to tell that to. They, they came to tell it to the shepherds. Shepherds. Now, shepherds were a, a low-paying job in society. 
And these shepherds were watching their flocks by night. How many of you have worked the night shift? How many of you know what the night shift is like? You're on opposite schedules of your family, and there's ten family tension sometimes there trying to keep up with that. Uh, not to mention it was a, a low-paying job in society, so I'm speculating here, but there could be some, some family problems along with some financial tensions there. Um, nonetheless, the angels came and spoke to the shepherds, to them during that time, and they say in Luke 2.14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, which is where we all are and where they were, peace to men on whom his favor rests. They proclaim peace in the middle of turmoil. And, and that's the reason why peace is so mysterious. That's the reason why this gift of God is such a mysterious gift, because the kind of peace that, that we think of Whenever we think of us and our time, we think of the absence of conflict. But God's peace is something that you can have in the middle of conflict. Maybe you have a strained relationship in this season of life and, and, and you need peace. Um, I heard of a guy who had kind of a, a strained relationship. He was an old timer celebrating 50 years of being married. And it was his 50th wedding anniversary. He's in a restaurant and he's by himself. And someone asks him, what are you going to do? for your wife uh, on your 50th wedding anniversary. He said, well, I'll tell you this, on the 25th wedding anniversary, I took her to Paris, France. They said, wow, Paris, France. How are you going to top that? What are you doing for 50? He said, I'm going to get her. Give that just a second. You just, nah, that's probably not the way you want to handle your, your relationship problems. I'm not saying that's what it is. Um, but maybe you have severe relationship strains and, and you need to figure out how to get peace. Um, I, I don't know, maybe for you it's severe grief that you're going through. Let's just get honest. For, for some of you in the room, you're, you're celebrating Christmas for the very first time this year and there's going to be an empty chair that was, used to be filled. And it's, it's grieving, it's hard. And the last thing you want to think about is trying to celebrate Christmas. In fact, I know a lot of people that, that they run from celebrations. They run from things like this because the holidays bring up pain. How do you have peace in the middle of that? To us as human beings, that sounds strange. To our human selves, it is strange. Doesn't that sound weird? You can, you can have peace while you're in turmoil? Because we, there's this gap between God's peace that we all believe in and know in principle, right? We hear it, and, and I could preach this in such a way where you'd get all fired up and leave saying, yes, I can have peace in God. And then over here, there's your actual life, what's happening. There's the hurt, there's the history, there's your present circumstances, and you're trying to figure out, and so am I as a human being, how do I take that peace that I believe that God says is real and somehow apply it to my life that's hurting like crazy? I believe in it, but I feel this, and there's this big expanse in between. Am I talking to anybody in, in the room? There, there, there's this rub of how do I make that peace that God says is real fit in my life? God's peace that he gives me, if it's supposed to be in the middle of turmoil, how do I do it? I, I, don't, I don't get that. Does that sound like a, like a correct statement? Have you ever heard of somebody throwing their child, their small child, into the deep end of a pool to learn how to swim? Hey, it sounds kind of weird, but maybe it happened to you. I, I don't know. The adult, I'm told, uh, the, the goal, I'm told, for the adult is to teach the kid how to swim. And I always had the question when I heard stuff like this is, how do you swim when you can't? How do you, how do you tell a kid to swim when you can't? I, I heard one adult tell me one time, well, Junior learned how to swim real quick. And I'm like, no, Junior almost drowned, you know, and, and now Junior has to go to therapy because he's scared of water. I, I don't know about how, how that fits, but, but isn't that what it feels like when somebody says you can have peace in the middle of heart-wrenching turmoil? 
It's like Junior's going, how do I swim when there's water over my head? And, and maybe we're asking when it comes to peace, is how do I have peace when trouble is sweeping over me? Because if I'm going to have peace, then it would seem that the conflict would have to leave me, that somehow I would have to get to shallow water, if you will, so that I could get up and breathe. And it's in that moment when we're in the middle of the conflict, when we're in the middle of the, the strenuous, grieving, whatever it is situation that you're in, that we decide if we're going to pursue God in faith or we decide if peace is just a crutch. If, if the talk about God's peace and the word of God, if that is a crutch or am I going to pursue it in faith? Because if I pursue it in faith, and that means I'm not going to feel all the feelings just yet. Or I can sit here and say, you know what? These people that say God's gift of peace is real, God's gift of peace can really happen for you. We, we can also decide right there, that's just a crutch that you believe and throw everything under the mat, out of sight, out of mind. It's a crutch. And when we do that, we, what we're really saying is, is the word of God is a cliche that I wish was real, but it really isn't relevant to my real life hurt that I'm going through right now. Because let's be honest with ourselves, the peace of God sounds good in principle, but it's something completely different to figure out whenever we're feeling the feelings of hurt and pain. It seems if, if I'm going to trust God for something, I'm going to trust him to change the things in my life that hurt so I can have peace. That sounds more like it, doesn't it? I'm going to pray that God change my current situation so that I can have peace, if it's even something that can be changed. I can't bring back somebody from the dead. There's always going to be that place. But if God could just somehow zap the hurt out of me, that would be good. Because how do I have peace when the hurt's overwhelming? How do I have peace when they won't change? How, how do I have peace when fear grips me every time I think about, and then you fill in the blank, whatever that is. How, how do I have peace when anxiety over things in my life leaves me feeling helpless? How do I have peace on the inside? What do I do to have peace when my circumstances are not peaceful? And you think about Junior getting thrown into the pool. You know why he can't swim? Because the water's over his head. A well-intended relative is not going to change that, right? And, and, and I think about me having peace because you know what? The turmoil in my life, it won't leave me and I'm drowning in it, and a well-intended Christian with a Bible or a well-intended pastor isn't going to help change that. And, and, and that's what we think. That's the natural human instinct and thought to think. But I, I want you to think about this. If, if you throw anybody into the deep end of a pool that doesn't know how to swim, there's a good chance that they're not going to survive. Would you agree to that? Unless they learn to do something that doesn't come naturally. It's a supernatural moment if they survive that. And if they do something that doesn't come naturally, that they might survive. And that thing is swim. And I think about somebody going through a difficult time in life. You're not going to have peace at all unless you learn to do something in your spirit that does not come naturally to your human self. And that is stop seeking a specific outcome to bring you peace and start seeking the God that says he's working all things together for your good. Believe it or not, there, there is a prescription in the Bible for having peace while you're in the middle of the most heart-wrenching of times, whatever that looks like for you. And, and Philippians 4 gives us the details of that. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and just kind of lay this out right in the beginning, this is not going to make sense to your human self. Because once we talk about this, your human self is going to say everything that I just said a, a couple of minutes ago up until right now. But if I want you to lean in with me and have faith and believe what the Word of God says today, 
And I believe that you'll get something out of this, something supernatural. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, um, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. Now, Paul was a New Testament writer. He, he started lots of churches, awesome man of God, did so many things, probably one of the greatest men in terms of the church and, and what God did through him. And a lot of our instruction that we have as how to be the church, how to live Christ-like, comes from writings just like Paul's. And I want you to keep in mind that when he's writing this church about how to have peace and how to let the, the gift of peace that Christ brought to us, how to let it rule in our hearts, he's in prison. He's being persecuted for his faith. He is struggling. And so how, if, any, if I'm going to listen to anybody that's learned how to have peace, I want to listen to him because this guy is actually practicing what he preaches. You know, he, he's in prison. He's suffering, but yet he's still found a way in Christ to have peace. I want to hear what he has to say. And in verses 4 and 5, he gives us a starting point. And I love this as a starting point. It's really going to rattle your chain. You ready? He says this in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And he said, you know what, I, I'm going to say it again. Rejoice. Can you say that word, rejoice? Rejoice. rejoice. And, and I've, it's like he's saying, he's, I, he's emphasizing it. I, I'm going to say it twice. He said, I, I want you to rejoice. It's almost as if he's saying, I know it sounds nuts. I know it sounds crazy to try to rejoice in what I'm going through and, and, and maybe what you're going through. But I want you to hear me again. You can still rejoice. And then it's, it's just, it kind of makes it to where we lean in and go, okay, I'm listening. It's possible to do. And I believe he's saying that to us today. And then he says this in verse 5, Let your gentleness be evident to all, because the Lord is near. And he's saying there's something on your inside that has to be, has to be evident and visual to everyone all around you. And, and maybe you're working through the, the middle of one of the, the worst times of your life, I don't know. But I, I just ask you the question, how easy is it to rejoice and, and be gentle? And we're probably going, not easy at all. You know, I, that, that, that doesn't even apply to me right now. But I, I want you to consider this for a moment. Where does rejoicing and where does uh, gentleness come from? Does it come from the outside? Or is it something that starts in the middle of your heart? Is it something that, that starts on, on the inside? And, and I just want to say this, what you let rule on your inside is what will eventually be evident to everyone else all around you. You can't have anger and frustration and anxiety rule on the inside and somehow have peace in all your relationships on the outside, not lasting ones. Eventually, whatever you let rule on the inside is what is going to come out on the outside. And he's giving us this idea that peace isn't something that comes from the outside. It's something that starts in here. And he whets our appetite before he gives us the prescription. He, he's saying, rejoice and let your gentleness be evident to all. What, you, what happens on the inside is eventually what will be evident on the outside. And he says, I want it to be gentleness. I want it to be rejoicing because the Lord is near. Ultimately, what he's saying is, is that God's timing and him coming back to get you is at hand. God cares about you. He's saying God loves you. God is close to you. He knows your name. He's not a far off God. He is right. He's seen the exact amount of tears that you've cried and knows you by name. He takes very, very careful attention and notice to you and what it is you're going through. And not only that, but one day you are going to be with him forever because he is going to take you out of this world and take you to a place called heaven where there is no more hurt and no more pain. He's saying he's here to help so Rejoice, And before we, before we talk about this prescription of peace, you need to know that God's peace is two things. One, it's not like the world gives. You need to understand that. God's peace is not like the world gives. In fact, Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 27, he said this. He said, peace, I'm going to leave with you. And then he said, my peace, say my peace. My peace I give you. 
And he said, I don't give to you as the world gives. So don't let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Why, why would he say that? Why would he say, I, I don't give to you like the world does? He's, he's trying to set it straight. And Paul echoes it. He's like, look, it looks different. What, what we think about peace and how the world gives us peace is if I don't have conflict in my life, then I'm peaceful. It's, it's this idea of escaping. I, I have to escape from the conflict that I'm in in order to have peace. If my marriage is causing me enough grief, right, then the only option for me to have peace is to leave it. If my hurt won't go away, then what the world tells me is that I've got to have some type of hobby or some type of coping mechanism to cover it. I have to escape my hurt in order to have peace. Uh, go with me here. If, if my boss is, is giving me enough grief, then the only thing I can do is quit <laughs> in, in order to have peace. Now, I'm not telling you to quit or not quit. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that's the idea that we get from the world. If there's enough grief going on, then peace has to happen as I escape or as I leave the circumstances. And what we're really saying is, I need something on the outside to give me peace on the inside. That's the exact opposite of what the scriptures say, exact opposite of what Paul says, which we're going to read about in a second. But we look for things on the outside to give us peace on the inside, but it's, it's not like the world gives. And secondly, God's peace is an inside-out peace. It's not I, something has to change on the outside to give me peace on the inside, the relationship, the financial status, the, the job. It's, it's an inside-out piece. Something changes on the inside of me, and it dictates and determines a specific outcome that happens on the outside for me. It changes the way I look at it. It starts on the inside, and it changes the way I work and view my circumstances. I want you to think about that for a minute, because if you really think about God, God is unchanging, isn't he? We don't walk into the presence of God and he change. <laughs> God is, he doesn't change at all. When we walk into God's presence, we can change. God changes things in the atmospheres that he's in. And when he comes into your life, he changes you. And when peace of God that we have through Jesus Christ, this great gift comes into your life, you don't change it, it changes you on the inside. And therefore, when you walk into your environment, when you walk into your hurt, you begin to change it, not it change you. So he, he's saying there's something on the inside of you that has to happen first, and it dictates and determines how you change on the inside. And then it, it determines how things look around you. God's peace isn't a, isn't a resource that comes to you. God's peace is not a circumstances that change. God's peace starts on the inside of you, and it affects you, and affects everything you touch as you move outward. It's an inside-out peace. And Paul continues to talk about this in verse 6, and this is the, the, the recipe for peace. Are you ready? So now that we understand that, that peace is not something that happens when you escape conflict, peace is something that starts on the inside of you right in the middle of it. He says this in, in verse 6. Don't be anxious about anything. And we're like, okay. <laughs> he says, but in every situation, and, and here it is, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends every bit of understanding, is going to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so he says right fast that it's not like the world gives. It's not because the peace that I'm going to give you is going to blow your mind. And it's going to really challenge the way everyone else thinks around you. They're not even going to know how you have peace or how you're surviving based on what it is you're going through. Because the peace of God, it transcends that understanding. It, it's, it's different than anyone can even wrap their brain around, including yourself. You, have you ever really kind of adhered to the Lord during a really hard time? And you get into, right into the thick of it and you're like, I don't even know how I'm surviving right now. I don't know how I'm doing it. I don't really, I'm here. 
And I, I look back at what I've been through, and I really can't tell you how I, how I did it. I can't tell you how I'm still sane and how I'm not bitter. <laughs> I can't. I just know that I submitted myself to God in these ways that, that we're going to talk about in just a second. And, and it, it blows my mind. Other people watch you go through that. And they're like, you are the strongest person I know. And what you're going is, no, I'm the weakest person I know. And this trauma has taught me that, right? And, and the only reason I'm here is, is because of God. It, it transcends understanding. You don't understand even why you have peace. But he says do three things. He says pray, petition, and give thanks. And we're going to word that like this. Pray, ask, and give thanks. Because petitioning just means I'm going to ask of you. Pray, petition, ask, and be thankful. Uh, he says Pray. And we're just going to kind of walk through these real fast. Pray. Could, could it be that, that we're not having the peace of God because we're not doing these things? Pray. Come to God. And what it means is get close to him. Be intimate with him. Talk to him. And it's not the right words because when, when, when you hear me say you have to pray, you may think, oh, man, it's going to be the folding of the hands at the right place, and I'm going to have to say the right words in order to let God hear me. Let me just, God hates that from a standpoint of it has to be this legalistic thing. You know what God wants? He doesn't want right words. He wants right heart. He, he wants you to come before him and just be grateful for him. He wants you to come before him and know that the goal isn't you being good enough or you being worthy enough, but the goal is sincerity. The goal is understanding that Jesus is the only reason why you even get to have that conversation. Now, that might freak you out because you're like, it's like going into to somebody's house and you're just the, the friend of the son, you know, or the friend of the daughter, and you have to go talk to the big dog and you're like scared to death. But the only reason why you get to have that conversation is because of the acquaintance. And, and you might think of God that way. But I want you to think about this. Yes, Jesus is the only reason you get to have that conversation with God. But understand that it was God's idea to give Jesus to make it possible. He loves you. He loves you so much. And you can get close to him. And you can pray. And you can tell him all about your situation that hurts. You can tell him all about the pain. And the cool thing about God is you can tell him the very inner core of your heart. And he honors it. He holds it close to him. And it's precious information. You can do that with God. Pray to him. Come to him. Tell him all about it. Secondly, it says ask. Ask of him. Tell him what you need. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a financial strain. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe you want to name names. That's the great thing about God. You can name names in his presence, and, and, and he'll, he'll set you straight if you need to be set straight, but he'll also hold that. You can give it to God. Most people don't ask of him because they say, well, I don't deserve to ask of God. Or they'll say, you know what, there's, there's plenty of other people that have prayers that are, are more needy than mine, so I don't feel like I need to come to, to do that. Listen, so some people say, I, I don't know what he'll say or I'm not familiar with him, or I don't know if, if he will, so we just don't ask. Look, the Bible says the reason why you don't have things is because you don't ask for them. And when you ask, you need to get specific. Don't just say, God, help me in the situation. If that's all you've got and that's what's sincere, then I believe God will honor that. But get into his presence and tell him all about it and ask him specifically for what you need. And, and always pray according to his will and just say that. God, I, I don't know what it is that I need eventually, but these are the things I think I need right now. And at the end of the day, I want your will to be done, Lord, but, but ask him specifically. Some people just don't want to ask. And if we're, if we're candid about it, we would we'd probably say, yeah, I feel weird asking God for the things that I need. I, I just believe if, if Paul wore shoes, he'd have Nikes. And he would say, just do it. 
<laughs> just do it. Just do it. You'd be shocked at how much peace you would have just by doing these two things, just by praying to him and just by asking of him. When you come to him earnestly and tell him what you need, it gives you the ability to do the next thing, and that is give thanks. You would be shocked at how grateful of a heart, how light your load would be if you would just come to him and unload on him. But it says in, in Philippians 4, it says, pray and ask and then give thanks. I, I think about David in the Old Testament who went through a very difficult time. And I'm not going to get into it, but people were trying to kill him. And he wrote a lot of the Psalms that we read in the book of Psalms. And some of them are very descriptive about people trying to take his life and people defaming him and people abandoning him. And he would cry out to God. And sometimes it was like, God, how long are you going to wait until you actually come and save me? <laughs> how, how long am I going to have to live in caves and run from people literally for my very life? God, how, how long? My, 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 it's like, like a deer panting for water. Lord, I'm just crying out for you. But my soul's in despair. Like, help me, God. Does that sound like some of your prayers, maybe? You just, I need you. When are you going to do it? And it's interesting, David, by, by doing this, you read the psalm and you're like, man, this poor guy. God, do something. You're like praying for David and he's not even alive anymore. We're reading, we're so moved by it. And then by the end of the psalm, he's so moved to thanksgiving that he begins to praise God. And I, I believe with my heart that it's because he prayed and it's because he asked. And his heart was opened up to God, and he began to give thanks. And by the end of those psalms, you see him praising, and you see him rejoicing, and you see him giving thanks. When you pray and when you ask, do not skip that last step of thanksgiving. It, that, that might be difficult when you get to that point, because you, what you really want to do is, is, is kind of shut down right there and say, I don't know if you will. I feel, already feel weird being here. I just want to kind of back away slow. No, you stand there confidently knowing that you are a child of God, and you can say, God, I give you thanks for this. I thank you for hearing me. Thank you for your will being done in my life. Lord, I ask you to do these things, and I, I ask them through Jesus, and I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for you accomplishing these things in my life and getting me through. You be grateful for them. Thank God for being faithful. Thank God for working all things together for your good. But I'm going to tell you right now, you have, when you get to that place, you're going to have to open up your heart to do it. Don't... Don't build up a wall right there. Get vulnerable and say, God, I, I praise you and I thank you. And then verse 7, if we can throw verse 7 back up again in Philippians, Philippians 4, it says, Then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and it will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. Now, how many of you have ever heard that verse? The peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart. How many of you have heard that? It's interesting because it says it's, it's going to guard your heart and guard your minds. It didn't say when you do these things and the peace of God is going to drastically change your circumstances. Or the peace of God is going to come down and make all your wildest dreams come true, right? That's what we want it to say. But he does something better. He says it's going to guard your heart and it's going to guard your mind. Where is your heart and your mind located? It's on the inside of you. He didn't say all your circumstances would change. He said, I will change the way you think and I will change your heart set concerning what you're walking through. He said, you might be facing the exact same thing. He said, but I will give you a new set of lenses to look at and a new Thanksgiving. I'll put a new song of praise in, in your heart for you to praise me as you walk through. It might be difficult, but I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna do. God's saying, I'll come right alongside of you and give you a joy unmatched by anything this world has to offer. And by the time this is said and done, you will have peace and you won't even know how you have it. The people that are watching what you go through, they won't know how you have it. 
But when you come to me, and when you let me in, and when you pray to me, and when you ask of me, I take notice. And when you open up your heart and when you give me thanks, it ignites my heart to move, and my peace will transcend every bit of your understanding. It'll guard your heart. And it'll guard your mind. Why does it need to be guarded? Because whenever you're hurting and whenever you're, you're in the depths of despair, that's, that's when you're the most vulnerable to what Satan might want to do. Because you just want out. And Satan will give you the opportunities to get out in some really unhealthy ways. And God says, you, you need your heart and you need your mind to be guarded so that when you're in the depths of despair and, and Satan comes in, you can say, you know what? I've got a peace that transcends every bit of that junk. I, I've got a peace that transcends even my own understanding, but I'm relying on God right now. Your heart and your mind need to be guarded. And it changes when that peace comes in there. It changes how you think about your circumstances. It changes how your heart is set toward your circumstances. It makes it doable. Day by day sometimes, sometimes hour by hour. But God fulfills his promise. He always comes through with this peace that because of Jesus Christ, and we're celebrating it this season, this, this gift of peace. Peace does something else when you have it, when you have this this kind of peace. It enables you to fulfill God's purpose for your life. Did you know that God's purposes for your life are, are, are lots of things? I, I believe I can't even begin to imagine all the purposes that he has for, for all of us and, and different ways he wants to use us. Um, but I know one purpose for your life is to give God a good name. One, one of the purposes he has for your life as a believer is to, is to walk through this life and your kids and your family and your friends and everybody that you come in contact with and watches the way you handle your, your difficult circumstances. God wants you to, to, to live in such a way that they see a good thing in him. And, and I would suggest to you today that it's, it's not simply about having peace yourself and getting through, but it's also about the witness that you give other people about who your God is as you're getting through. That it's, it's not just some nice thing that God does for you when he gives you peace, but it's actually part of the armor that you take on it's actually, it, it's, it's, it has something to do with that armor that we talk about in Ephesians 6. You ever heard of the, the armor of God, the full armor of God? And, and we're going to talk about that just briefly here. Um, but we're supposed to be sharing the gospel of peace. We're supposed to be sharing this good news. And, and how you get through your difficult time, that has everything to do with your testimony, your witness. God, God gives peace. Yes, God gives peace. God is peace. God is my peace. And we read all these scripture verses, and then, then the bottom falls out of our life, and then we, we relapse. <laughs> People say, well, where's the peace you know, that you were talking about a, a, a minute ago? Our lives with our children, we're actually teaching them how to, to handle this stuff. And, and Ephesians 6 uh, it, it talks about this, this armor, and I, I just want to say that it's not just a, a great uh, peace, isn't just a, a great thing that God gives us. It's a necessity. Ephesians 6.13 says this, and just very briefly, it says, it says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. And then he talks about, you know, the, the belt of truth and making sure that you have the breastplate of righteousness. And he kind of does this figuratively, but, but very real. And then in verse 15, he says, And also your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And, and that, that word fitted means actually to tie up, to lace tight, to make tight around you so that, so that you have shoes on your feet that, and, and you're ready to go. You, you've got that peace, you've prayed, you've, you've asked of God, you've given thanks, and you've got this peace that passes all understanding. And he says, you've got that peace, what are you going to do with it? And he says, well, part of this armor is you've got to have those shoes tied up tight so that you can walk along this path that I've given you 
of hurt and pain and whatever it is you have to go through with the peace. And you're actually going to be spreading and giving me a good name, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ as you walk. I was uh, in a Jeep one time with a buddy in the mountains, and we were trail riding. I don't know if you're familiar with what this means, but it wasn't like feet on the dashboard, wind in your hair. It was more like holding on to everything, going, God, please get me out of this. And we are going over rocks and boulders, and, and it's like steep. And at one point, I felt like I was going to blast off into space. We were looking straight up, and I thought, man, if a pine cone fell right now, I'd choke on it. Like, literally, it would go right down my, my throat. And uh, we're doing this, and, and uh, it was kind of, a, kind of a sporadic thing. Hey, you want to go do it? And I was like, yeah, fine. And I didn't even put shoes on. I just kind of got in the, the Jeep, and we went. And so we're right in the middle of this trail, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and all of a sudden, I hear the biggest racket underneath that thing I've ever heard. And he said, that's not good. And I was like, what's not good? You know, and, and he gets out and, and tries to work on it a little bit. And to no avail, nothing's happening. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, I just see these shoes drop. And I'm like, what are those? <laughs> you know? And he's like, you need to put those on. We're we have to walk out of here. And I was like, I don't want to walk out of here. I don't want those. I want you to fix this Jeep. I'm not walking, walking out of here. Um, and he said, no, you got to do it. He said, we, we're, this thing is, is toast. We're going to sit here, and if we don't, we'll freeze to death, whatever. We're, we we have to. We got to walk out of here. Now, again, I'm barefoot, and so he gives me these shoes. And, and I'm sitting here looking at these shoes, and I didn't want to put these shoes on. I wanted him to fix the Jeep. <laughs> and, and I wanted somebody to come and get us because we're like miles out. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to put these shoes on. And that's kind of how our hurt is. We, we really sit in our hurt, in the broken down Jeep, in the, the middle of the, the hurt, the pain, the whatever your circumstance is, and we don't want to walk the path that God is allowing to be laid out before us in our life. And the verse says, you know what? Part of that armor is to put on the shoes, lace them up tight, and carry that peace that you have on the inside of you so that everyone sees me inside of you. It's like this, this gospel of peace that you have, and you're supposed to walk with it. It's a beautiful gift, but it's also meant to be shared. And far too often, I think we sit in our hurt and sit in our pain, and we don't want to deal with it. We don't want to pray. We don't want to give thanks. We don't want to ask of God. And so I sat there looking at him, and finally I came to the realization that he was leaving, and I didn't know where I was. And <laughs> so I thought I better put, put these shoes on. And that's what we kind of do spiritually. When we sit here in our pain, we, he says, you know, fit them onto your feet and lace them up tight. And I feel like every time we, we lace our shoes up spiritually, every time we pray, we're, we're, we're just tightening them up, making ourselves ready. Because I think sometimes we want to put the shoes on. We want to take it away. But it's almost like we're, we're associated with God. We know what the scriptures say, but we don't put it into practice in our life. And we sometimes it's like putting the shoes on and not lacing them up. But the verse said in, in Ephesians that we got to lace them up tight and be ready to walk this path. If I hadn't have laced my shoes up, I would have sprained my ankle or fallen off a boulder. I don't know if my shoe would have went flying and I'd have been barefoot again. But every time we lace up our shoes in the middle of our hurt, what we're really doing is we're praying. Every time we pray, we're, we're, we're kind of lacing them up tight. And we're saying, God, I, I need you right now. I just want to be vulnerable with you, God. I, I don't know how I got into this, maybe. Or maybe you're saying, I'm hurting right now because of my loved one that is gone. And maybe you got some questions why you're lacing the shoes up, but you're lacing them up nonetheless because you're praying and you're having this honest, transparent conversation with God. God, I, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this, but I just need you to know I'm hurting right now. My finances are a wreck. I don't know how I'm going to provide Christmas for my kids. That's, that's a reality for some of us in the room, even today. 
I want to encourage you, pray every time you're lacing your shoes up. And then ask of God. Ask specifically, God, I, I need you to help me. I need $300, Lord. My landlord's banging at my door. I don't know how to get that. I love to throw up things before God because he knows how to do it. <laughs> I don't. Ask specifically, Lord, I'm, my relationship hurts right now, and I don't know if they need to change or I do, but I know you know, and I need you to help me. I, I need you to help me figure out what to do. Send me this amount of money, Father. I, I need it. I don't know how, but I trust in you to do it. I need you to do this for me. God, I, I need you to, to change this person. Make something happen. Change me. What do I need to change? But I'm, I'm asking you this specifically, Lord. God, take the, take the edge off of my hurt. What, what specifically could, could you ask God? What, what is it that you need to ask him? Every time you're, you're gearing yourself more towards grasping this peace that God wants to put on you on the inside and you're lacing your shoes up tight. And then thirdly, he says, give thanks. And you get to a place where you go, God, I give you thanks because I have just completely unloaded on you. I feel a little bit lighter. This thing's still in front of me. And I don't know how I'm gonna get through it, but God, I'm just thanking you because you're faithful. Your word says it, and I'm counting on you to be faithful to me. So I give you thanks. I, I give you praise, God. I, and sometimes when, you, when you're doing this, you don't want to because still things still hurt. And that's why I said, when you get to this point, open up your heart to him. Don't stop by praying and asking, but get to that place where you give thanks. I'm grateful, God. And what you're doing is you are actually tightening up your shoes. You're tightening up because you, there's a path for you still to walk. Because when you stand up from that prayer, guess what? That path of hurt still may be there. And I've still got to walk it. But I want to do it with my shoes tied up tight. And I've got peace that's transcending all the understanding because I still have to walk the path. But as I'm walking, guess who's looking? Kids are looking. Spouse is looking. Aunts and uncles are looking. Coworkers are looking. Everyone that I've said that God has peace before, every person I've talked to that said, I'm, I've said I'm a Christian and I, I love God, they're looking at what's happening. And now I get to walk the path and, and it doesn't hurt as bad because I've got something on my feet. I remember when I was walking down this, this path trying to get out of there, of this, this mountainous region, <laughs> I, I remember thinking, man, this really stinks, <laughs> you know? And I thought, man, I'm so glad for these shoes. I'd have been barefoot. I'm so glad he had those in the, in, the, in, the, in the storage area of the Jeep there. And as I started walking, I began to realize that, you know what? This would have been really bad barefoot. I would have been really hurting. Um, but now it's like, thank God for these shoes. I, I'm walking. It's hard. I'm still having to walk this path out of here. But I don't feel anything under my feet, just pressure. I still have to walk this path. And then something happened. It really kind of changed my mentality. Because I didn't feel that, because I had a peace on the inside of me, I began to notice the beauty all around me. I began to notice the birds singing. All of a sudden, it didn't seem as bad. All of a sudden, what seemed like a curse was now, I'm starting to notice some pluses here. Before, I just smelled exhaust, and I was holding on for dear life. And now I'm actually seeing God's creation. It's actually doing me some good. And when you put that peace on the inside of you and you, you pray and you ask and you give thanks and you lace those shoes up tight, you're able to walk that path of hurt. And this is the only God can do this. You will begin to see beauty out of the ashes begin to form in only a way that God can show you. And all the while you're walking this path, you don't even realize you're doing it at first, but people are watching you. They're getting inspired by you. And they're saying, you're the strongest person I know. And, and they're being blessed beyond measure. And you don't even realize why. But somewhere in some closet, in some corner, maybe it was on the floor, you were saying, God, I need you. 
You were saying, God, I need this specific thing from you. And I'm going to give you praise, Lord. If it ends up like I want it to or not, I give you praise. And you're tightening up those shoes and you walk that path in the public eye, not even realizing that your kids are learning how to deal with hurt in such a way that's godly. They're learning how to receive peace in such a way that's godly, the exact reason why Christ came to this earth and gave us this gift of peace. And so what do you do with all this? This is my challenge to you. Will you take the gift of peace that God gives you and will you take it to heart? Will you pray? Will you ask? Will you give thanks? And will you walk this path that God has for you, that he's allowing for whatever reason? I promise you God will come through for you. And I promise you there will be people watching. And maybe when you get to heaven one day, you'll just realize God will show you the amount of people, including the people you love most, the impact that you had on their lives. Let's pray together. God, we're grateful for you. We're grateful for the opportunity, God, not just to gather in this room, Father, but to learn your word. I've said some challenging things today. And God, I would, I would say you've said some challenging things today. You've said some challenging things to me. Lord, and I know that as we walk out of this room, there's pressures of life that'll still be there. Jesus, you said in this life, we're gonna have trouble. Don't be surprised at that, but that we could take heart because in you, we can overcome the world because you'd already done it. So Lord, I, I pray that as we take this Philippians 4 passage to heart, Lord, that you'd give us strength and boldness. I, I pray, Holy Spirit, for, for boldness in your people today. Whether you're sitting here in this room or you're listening online, I pray for boldness for you. You know the exact circumstances that you're going through. You know to the nth what it is that's, that's happening to give you pain, to give you a sense of unrest. But I wanna tell you, the God who loves you and died for you to bring you peace knows it even further than you do, and he knows your future. So Holy Spirit, I, I pray for boldness in, in your people that they would latch onto you that they would come to you in prayer and learn to be intimate with you and vulnerable with you, to ask specific things. But at the end of all that, Father, pray according to your will and give you thanks and praise. And in doing so, God, enable them to walk the path that you have for them with a peace that passes their understanding and with the gospel of peace being spread to everyone they come in contact with. Maybe you're here and, and you're hearing all this and the, the peace that you need right now isn't necessarily a peace from a circumstance. You're, you, you need an eternal peace because Christ didn't just come to give us peace on earth. He came to give us peace with God so that when we leave this earth, there would be a, an eternity waiting for us in heaven. And maybe that's the peace you need today as you walk out of these doors, not knowing when your life will be done. We're all headed somewhere, but you need peace knowing that if it were to be today, that you would be with God? How do we stand in front of a perfect God as an imperfect human being and demand to be led into a perfect heaven? The only way is a, is a, is a perfect Jesus. It's a perfect gift. And so I, my prayer is, and my question, my challenge is, would you be bold enough to accept him today? If that's you, I want you just to pray this prayer with me. God, I need you. I believe that you sent Jesus to die for me because I couldn't be perfect. I couldn't earn a perfect heaven or a perfect God. So I accept Jesus today. I believe that he died for me and spilled his blood for me. I believe that he raised from the grave, giving me life just as he has life. And I'm gonna wake up every day and I'm gonna aim my heart at you, Jesus. 
I don't have all the, the questions to the answers and the answers to the questions and I don't have it all figured out. I'm not there yet. I'm not perfect. I'll never be this side of heaven, but I, I want to take you on and I, I pray that you'd help me. And I pray this in Jesus' name.